Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. CJ, growing up, were you or your parents or family members big fans of soap operas? My mom definitely had a phase when I was younger where she was she would watch soap operas. I think it was General Hospital was was her show. Mm, mm. There was like a weird year with my family where we watched Coronation Street. Coronation Street was one. That's, That's good. The... That's a good show. Good British comedy. Yeah, good British. <laughs> yeah, sure. There's, there's always good humor in British shows is kind of what I'm getting at. Yes, there there absolutely is. Um, I'm not sure how much uh, they can hold a candle to uh, what the Vancouver Canucks managed to do. Uh, we have to mention the Vancouver Canucks again because the Vancouver Canucks find a way to be in the news constantly. Um, it's funny it, on the on the Monday uh, I was planning all these different podcasts. We had done our show earlier in the day, and we didn't even get to talk about Jim Rutherford and the press conference of a lifetime. Uh, with all of the different things he said about the core and how the team might need major surgery, it has left a lot of hockey Twitter uh, spinning. We're going to get to a whole bunch of other different stuff in the show, too. Uh, we're going to talk about Ivan Provorov. We're going to mention the Montreal Canadiens as well. We'll have stick taps. We have to start with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, and we'll mention Rick Tockett in this as well. But CJ, from what you remember of, of Jim Rutherford's press conference earlier this week for the Vancouver Canucks, what stands out to you the most? Actually, before you mention what stands out to you the most, in a word, describe that press conference. Honest. Sure. It was, it was very honest. I mean, no matter what we might make of various situations, and we'll break through them all, I'm sure. But, you know, this was the president of hockey operations giving a pretty clear account of where things stand in a, in a number of regards, um, not disguising the truth. And, and I think that that, that's probably the best way to, to handle it. Like when you get to the point that they're at where it just feels like there's so many different angles at play. I mean, we're, we're talking about like players maybe being concerned about the medical staff and the treating of Tanner Pearson. Obviously the performance on the ice has not made anyone happy. You have your captain in the middle of a career year production wise and, and, and looks like you're going to trade him because you haven't been able to reach a contract extension. You have the next head coach, seemingly just waiting to step in behind the bench, but the current one, Bruce Boudreaux, having to still coach these games. I mean, there's so much um, disruption or, or, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not the way you would want to be running a team. I think you have to start by being honest and then they, they have to make tangible moves to, to make things better. I mean, it will sound a little broken record ish, but it, the funny thing about sports is, is you can turn things around. Like, I'm I'm actually of the opinion they don't have to burn it all to the ground. Um, I'm, I'm and nor am I saying this major surgery will be easy, but you know they make a couple of good trades. You know in the lead up to this deadline period, you get into the summer, you make a few more. I mean, they, they really just need to clear out some cap space. And you know, it, as Jim Rutherford himself said, I mean the fact he said it looks like we're tanking. You know, I thought we were tanking. We're we're pretty close to the bottom. Um, I mean, who knows? They might back their way into something that this you know, he's still yet this season. So, um, you know, it looks very bleak right now and I understand that, but that being said, I do think a two or three year window 
with some good, good management and this team could be in a totally different position. And so we'll see if it starts with that press conference, but I, I'm with you. It was very memorable. I, I, I watched it streamed it live and I probably sent seven tweets during that press conference. I mean, there, because you there were so many, but there were so many clear newsy items. I mean, that's what usually you get a lot of words at press conferences and you have to kind of decipher what they may mean. And, and you're, you, know, you almost have like your encoder ring trying to figure out what's happening. Um, this was very clear. It's like, you know, Bo Horvat is like, well, I think we've made our best out offer. And, and, you know, it was a fair offer for what he used to be, but now he's something else. Like it was basically like, all right, we're moving on. Like all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, that, that was pretty entertaining theater and selfishly for someone who sits on this side of the microphone, I, I welcome that kind of honesty from all executives who speak in that, that situation. Don't get me wrong. I, I do too. Like, I think it's great that an exec like Jim Rutherford is willing to just like kind of bring the blowtorch and just be like, all right, guys, this is the fire. This is what we've got to deal with. It's just considering how the season is gone. It's just one thing on top of another. Uh, was there one particular thing that he said that made you like, like go like, whoa. Well, when he acknowledged that he's spoken to other coaching candidates, like I've never seen that or heard that before. Um, I'm sure maybe it's happened somewhere sometime, but that that's highly unusual. And and this whole situation, how it's unfolding with Rick Tockett is very weird. Um, you know, it's clear that, that he's on his way to be their next coach. Um, you know, the sense I get is that it's sooner rather than later, but you know, I can't tell you what day, what time, when exactly that drops, but it, it does seem very much that, that, you know, that they're finalizing the contract. I mean, that that's, you know, Rick talking on Wednesday night's TNT broadcast, I mean, they had fun with it. He said, you know, I, I haven't signed a contract, but he didn't, he, he also said that he's been talking to Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford. So in, in this case, you have both sides openly acknowledging that they, they've had discussions, um, you know, I, I'm not suggesting by any means that Rick Tocca was lying. I, I don't imagine he has signed a contract, but I, I don't think he's very far from signing one. And, you know, there's word around the league. He's, but, you know, been talking to potential, you know, hiring and filling out a staff. And so I imagine that that will be the next immediate shoe to drop. That was probably the biggest thing that stood out in my mind. I thought the comment on Horvat was very honest, given where we're at, you know, six weeks from the trade deadline, pretty much, you know, we're in a pickle here or something was, yeah. was, the, the genesis, the, the thought there. Um, and they are in a pickle because he's having a great season. He's got every right to, to you know, get the best contract of his career and, and the Canucks are have a cap problem. So I think that they, you know, probably will end up moving on from him, but who knows? I mean, we could see another turn in this soap opera. I mean, maybe in somewhere in the next six weeks, if the offers aren't what Vancouver needs to get in return for Bo Horvat, they, they find a way to get that done and trade somebody else. I mean, I, I feel like anything could happen. You know, that, that was also what I was left with. I mean, Jim Rutherford was just saying like, we're going to have to trade a core piece or two. It's not going to be popular. Like, like he was, he left a lot of interpretation there. Now I, I do think Elias Pettersson will not be getting traded. I think it's fair to say he's an untouchable. I would think Quinn Hughes is 98% untouchable, but maybe they would listen if the right offer came along, it would have to be something that is a, you know, blows their socks off, but, you know, it's, it's going to be a fascinating time. And you have to wonder even about Thatcher Demko, right? I mean, he's been out injured. You know, I think we would consider him a core piece there. Maybe that was the core piece that they might look at trading at some point in the future. I mean, as, as I say, I think you listen to that press conference. I mean, everything in terms of trying to figure out what's going to happen. I mean, it just feels like everything's on the table there. 
It, it certainly does. You're just, I just, I'm just listening to you list off these potential names. And I'm just picturing, you know, if Quinn Hughes happens to be the sacrificial lamb, if Thatcher Demko happens to be the sacrificial lamb, that is, I, I just, because it's Vancouver, it's just not good to go over well. It's just going to be carnage. Well, and that's why I think that's, I think why Rutherford is saying, look, some of this might not be popular like that. You know, he came in clearly his idea was, you know, you're building a team around Pedersen and Hughes and Demko and, and, you know, a few others, you know, I guess JT Miller joins that group after they extended him. Although I think initially that wasn't likely to be the case. Um, and they were going to build around those guys. That was going to be the minor surgery, right? It's like clear out some of the other pieces, you know, augment them a little bit better. You know, now we're a year later, they're still in sort of cap jail, some of which is of their own making. I mean, they've signed significant deals in that year period. Um, the players that are underperforming, like Oliver Ekman Larson, who's a, been a healthy scratch recently, he's got tons of years left over $7 million on his contract. You know, another year after this one of Tyler Myers at $6 million. I mean, they have, you know, even Brock Besser, you know, the, the Canucks have tried to move this year and it's just been hard to do it money-wise. I mean, there's certainly teams out there with, what I would call significant interest in Brock Besser, but they, they can't make the math work. And so, um, you know, Vancouver's in a really tough spot. And so the major surgery now be, might be taking off. If, you know, you might be sacrificing an organ there, like the liver is going or something, you know, something you can maybe live through, but you, you've got to, you know, get rid of a kidney or something along the way here. So that, uh, sorry for the surgeon. I, I'm in the, the surgery references. I've been in sort of a hospital, to say. Mind, you know, you know, I was about to ask, is your head okay? It's okay, man. Little little sore, a little bit of discomfort, but uh not the kind of surgery we're talking about on the Canucks roster that's needed. It was it was more of the minor surgery, I think, all things considered. Yeah. Um, one last thing before we bring in David Bastel for sports interaction. Let's say uh the deal gets done, Rick Tockett is the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. From your experience in, in seeing him coach and being around the league, what do you think he could bring to that roster? Well, really well-respected guy uh, is Rick Tockett. You know, it's hard to judge his time in Arizona, right? I mean, you, you look at the teams he has. I mean, look, you can you can draw judgments from it, but, you, you know, it wasn't as though, you know, his previous experience was as the lead assistant with Pittsburgh, and he was sort of the Phil Kessel whisperer back on those Penguins teams when they won the back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. Um, I think he's being a former player is, is a good communicator and, and, you know, can, can communicate with the players, but, you know, I don't see that as a, a failing of Bruce Boudreaux. I think if anything, Bruce Boudreaux has been kind of known for that. He, he lifted the spirits of a team that was down in the dumps last year. Right. And, 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 you know, at least help them turn around their season and, and get within, you know, whispering distance of the, of, of a playoff spot uh, from a really difficult you know situation. Um, but, you know, clearly what, Canucks management's looking for is, you know, they've, they've Jim Rutherford spelled this out in previous interviews, a team that, that works a little harder in practice that has a little more structure and, you know, we'll see what the whole staff ends up looking like, but I, I think Rick Tockett can be the guy. I mean, he's, he's still viewed as a coach who's had interest in other places. You know, I think he got a call from Winnipeg last summer. It wasn't maybe the right timing for him, you know, as part of the search before Rick bonus became the head coach, which uh, worked out just fine for Kevin Chevelday off in the jets so far. Um, but you know, it's just the circumstances of this isn't, isn't ideal for anyone, uh, including Rick Tockett. But I guess, you know, when you've identified the next person that's going to lead your team or be in a key position, you just make that move, no matter what the optics are or anything, you make that move as quickly and as, 
as gracefully as you can and, and, you know, get to work because there's, a, there's clearly a big job for the next coach of the team. And, you know, that was the thing with Bruce Boudreaux, I would say is he was hired last year, mid season in December. And, and I think it was just this contract was for the rest of that year. And for this year, like, like it was, I don't think anyone ever thought that was a long-term hiring just given his age and, and where the team was at. And so I think what you have in Rick Tockett is, you know, the idea that he can be there for three or four or five years and, and lead them, you know, hopefully out of the, the abyss they've been in. And with that, tune in on Monday for the next edition of As the Vancouver Canucks Do Whatever the Hell They're Doing. Turn. Spin in circles. Yeah. Spin in circles. Something like that. All right. It's time for You Can Bet That with uh, David Bastel. You Can Bet That with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to You Can Bet That with David Bastel. DB, thank you so much for joining CJ and myself on this lovely Thursday. Uh, we have some uh, props to get to. We have to make mention, though, uh, Steve Stamkos, uh, goal number 500. He finally did it, people. He finally did it. Not going to come up <laughs> in these segments anymore for goal number 500, but it did finally happen. We just, we just have to acknowledge that, DB. Absolutely. And we have to acknowledge a big Cowboys win, a dominating win on Monday night, too. We'll yes. see what you do in San Francisco. It's going to be good. But you know what? Uh, big first test because there were some doubters out there. And, yeah, uh, they including got the one of the done. biggest Cowboys fans going that's sitting right here. So I, I, <laughs> I had my doubts. I've already got my doubts for San Fran, but I'm just going to keep doubting my way through the playoffs. There you go. That's the way to play it. It's a cheap way to be a fan, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Leafs and the Jets are playing against each other, yep. and uh, Sports Interaction has a number of goal props uh, involving guys like Austin Matthews, and Pierre-Luc Dubois is also on that list. Take us through it, DB. Yeah, and that's exactly it. it the, the fun part is, and a lot of people, if they're interested in any of these NHL games, not just Jets and Maple Leafs, you can scroll down to our player props area of the NHL uh, section. There's also a Dangles Doozy section, which just... Uh, to, uh, just uh, structures on the Leafs only, but we have props for everything. So shots on goal, assists, goals. We have save props. We have multi-goal scores as well. So I just threw this out there because it is an all-Canadian matchup. It's a pretty good matchup of the two top teams in Canada right now. And you know what, CJ? I don't know about you, but both teams have some pretty good goaltending. But both teams have some firepower, so we could see some goals. Uh, and and you know what? Some some pretty high-profile players on both sides, and that's why I threw it out saying, you know, you have any inklings on? Is it an Austin Matthews night, a Kyle Connor night, something of that nature? Because there's a lot to choose from. Well, and tuck this under your hat. I think one of the things that's left over from that Canadian division from the COVID season is that the Jets and Leafs have some beef. And so I think, you know, these teams have played some pretty wild games, uh, some more aggressive games, games maybe where there's a lot of power plays uh, at, at hand. And so, you know, given that they are the best two teams in the country, they don't play each other a lot nowadays. I don't know. I, I think we could see a pretty wild game with lots of scoring. So if you're looking at some goal props, uh, might be a good night for that. Yeah. Also want to mention uh, the Western Conference odds out to, to for who could win the conference outright. Uh, the leader, according to Sports Interaction, is a team currently outside of the playoff picture. The Colorado Avalanche uh, at 4.21. 
And that's and that's why I brought this up. I found this rather unique because we're sitting here in the middle of January, and I know they're the defending Stanley Cup champions. They've had all sorts of injury issues, but they're still ranked number one according to our revamped standings, and you don't see that too often. A team that's out of the top eight, well, yeah, it's Colorado, Vegas, Dallas, Minnesota is your top four. It's interesting to see where the money is going because, CJ, you look at that conference as a whole, and I think there's probably about five or six teams that are sitting there going, you know what, we can take this. Well, they should be. I, I think it's open. I mean, and what's with the disrespect for the Jets? I think they should be a little higher on those uh, uh, on, on that board there, David. But yeah, uh, they this should. Is, I, I'm with you guys. I'm with you. Guys. You can't influence the lines, <laughs> I guess. But the uh, you know, another thing about Colorado, they've just lost Kale McCart injury. I mean, it just might be one of those years for them. I'm I'm, I'm not predicting anything, but it just seems like they can't ever get fully healthy. Gabe Landeskog's been out all season. I mean. I don't know. That that's a that's a tough one for me to to put my head around. Yeah, I don't know, man. The the Avs. I saw them on uh, Wednesday night. They look pretty good, even without Kale McCarr. Spinning circles around the fifth ranked team in these rankings here of the Calgary Flames. It's actually to your point about the Jets. The yeah. Flames and the Oilers have better odds than the Jets. Yeah, not I, by much. I, yeah, you you guys can clearly see as friends that I'm not the one that makes these numbers because I think they would be different. <laughs> but, uh, I, I am a believer in the Jets. I think they're going to finish top three in their division. Will they get out? We'll see. I think the trade deadline has, uh, you know, a little bit of a marking of it. We'll see which teams are going to kind of solidify a little bit and which teams are going to back off a little bit. Uh, but it's wide open. And I thought I threw it out there and throw it out there just because, there's probably a lot of hope if you're a Western Conference fan and uh, could be your team heading to the Stanley Cup. It could be that indeed. Don't forget to check out Sports Interaction slash S- sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in game, and the best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. DB, thank you so much. Thanks, fellas. Uh, we made brief mention of this during our sports interaction segment with David Bastel, but uh, Stephen Stamkos finally getting to uh, the 500 gold mark. Any quick thoughts on him uh, before we move on? Well, I'm not saying finally. It's just that it felt like it took a while here the last month, but a, quite an achievement. I mean, anytime you're joining Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby as the only active players in a category uh, and you've played in this generation of the NHL, I mean, that's that that kind of speaks for itself. You know, 500 has always been a special, special milestone. I mean, there was a time that was basically automatic entry into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, there are a few players now that are in the 500 club that didn't get into the hall. But, you know, I think it's fair and goes without saying, first of all, I think Steve Stamkos still has a lot of hockey left and is going to add to that total. I would say 600 is within, you know, possibility for him. And he he will be a Hall of Famer. And so, I, I you know, I just think it's cool. I mean, I've basically, we're getting now to players like this. If, Basically, I've spanned my a career professionally covering the NHL is the time they've been in the NHL. I've covered the Lightning. I actually got one of those weird Marriott things at the end of the year, and yeah. it said cities you've most stayed in all time, and Tampa is where I've stayed in Marriott's most all time. I mean, it, it's not really that big a surprise. I've covered the Eastern Conference a lot in the playoffs and the Lightning every year. Of You know, they've been to four Stanley Cups, and I've covered them all. Um, so... Uh, that's a long way of saying I've spent a lot of time around that team and, and have tremendous respect for Steven and the, the player he is, but really the person he is, he's, you know, one of the true gentlemen in the league. And so I will even admit to saying that I was excited to see that goal going in Vancouver uh, just because he's a first-class guy. And, and that's, 
know, something he and his family can be proud of. And I actually think, and and I don't know if you're going to buy what I'm selling here. I think there's a case to be made that he's almost a little underrated. And that might seem weird because he was a first overall pick. He's a captain of a team. But like because because of a lot of his career will be defined or discussed or remembered for things that didn't happen, like playing at the Olympics back in 2014 because of his, his broken leg. And he's had, you know, he missed the whole playoffs, the first Lightning Cup run. Um, you know, like I think because of those things, maybe, you know, there's almost this feeling like, I don't know. But when you when you look at it objectively, like it's it's quite something the career he's had. And even that he's now that he's had this sort of whatever you call this this last recent stretch where he's been so good. Like for me, he might have been their best player in the playoffs last year. Like in a world where they somehow squeak out the cup over Colorado and I realized that world didn't happen. Like I think there was a case to vote him the Consmite trophy winner. And you know, he hits a hundred points last season. I know because of these, it took him a while to get to 500 here the last month. His, his production's fallen off a little bit, but he still, you know, gets a hat trick against the Canucks. And, you know, he's already at 502, man. We're, we're counting down to 600. So I, I just think in some ways, maybe a little underrated how, how good the career has been for Stamkos. I'm willing to buy what you're selling because of the fact that he spent the last few years on a Tampa Bay Lightning team where. I don't want to disrespect him and be like, he's not, not, he's like the fifth well, best not- player, but like, but like the team that he's on, like Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, Andre Vasilevsky, like he doesn't have and to Victor be, Hedman and Victor Hedman. He doesn't have to be the guy on that team. Like he's like, Oh, they just happen to have Steven Stamkos. I'm willing to buy what you're selling. Right. Well, and look at the only reason they can have a team that's been to three States Stanley cup finals and could still make it four this year. I mean, like they're, as great as Boston has been, like I'm not counting out the lightning yet. I'm not, I'm not talking past tense about their achievements as a team, no. but the reason they've had that kind of success is because he at times has been their fifth best player, right? It's because they have such high quality players at every position. I mean, it's outrageous how good that organization has been. Um, anyway, it's, it's, I would imagine now you're, you're talking about a career lightning. Of course he did flirt with maybe leaving back in 2016. One of the great decisions I'm sure of his professional life is that he kind of looked behind the the curtain to see what else might be out there and, and stayed where he was because he'll go down as an all-time Tampa uh, athlete, an all-time lightning player. And um, yeah, let's just see how far he climbs now. I'm, I'm saying 600 though. I, I don't know where he'll end up, but I, I think he's got at least 98 more goals in him. Is it known if there were other cities that uh, Steven was generally interested in joining? Well, it's kind of famous. I mean, he met with the Leafs. And it it was the year before, I believe, ultimately, John Tavares came to Toronto as a free agent. It might have been two years before. But, um, you know, Buffalo at the time had heavy interest in him and was open about it. Tim Murray was their general manager. Sure. Um, and But he did have a meeting with the Leafs. Brendan Shanahan was there and, and the, the ownership of the team, Larry Tannenbaum, but also, I believe, the head of Canadian Tire and the mayor of Toronto were there. And, and they were kind no of... No sell- way. Yeah. I mean, this has been documented. And so right. the, the bigger issue is, is I'm a little rusty on the details, but from my, my recollection, um, they were basically selling them on this idea. You can come home, you're a hometown athlete. You're going to have the, all these sponsorship opportunities, you know, like they were trying to, t- because at that time, the Leafs, you know, they, they weren't, it, w- it wasn't apparent they would become even the team they are today. They, they didn't have all the, everything in place yet. And they were, you know, trying to sell them on a vision and, um, 
I believe it was after that meeting. I think Detroit and San Jose are in my mind also as teams that showed interest in him. Uh, but after that meeting with Toronto, I think he just decided, you know, let's make the best deal in Tampa. And that all happened on that same crazy day where PK Subban got traded for Shea Weber and, and you had the, the hall for, was it the hall deal to hall for Larson? Yeah. Larson that was the very there. first thing that was announced that day. I think it was, it's just weird. It's in my mind that it was June 29th. Um, but anyway, if that's it, the case, it was, it was two days before free agency. Right. So it looked like he was going and because they had the window at that time where you could meet with teams, that's why, you know, he was using that window. And uh, anyway, looked behind the curtain, but decided to stay in Tampa. And I'll tell you, having spent all those nights in Tampa, I don't blame them. What, a, what a, they've got a great atmosphere around that team. Great organization. They've had all the success, amazing weather, favorable taxes. I mean, I don't know. I, I would actually consider like living there in retirement or something. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I would, it's like, that's how much I enjoy it. I would, I would at least consider the possibility. Okay. So congratulations to Stamkos on reaching the 500 goal mark. And uh, now we know uh, Tampa CJ may very well be a thing one day. Maybe it'll be El Salvador CJ. We'll see. Oh, okay. All right. Don't limit your options then. Well, the, the truth is when you're this far for retirement, I mean, what would I, why would I retire? Think about that. I, I, it's, it's your life. I don't know. No, but think about it. Like this is, we're getting like, this is our job, man. Like it's crazy. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I mean, like if you got enough money to kick back and retire, yeah, but I, I can understand it. But you need purpose. Like I love getting up sure. in the morning and talking hockey with you and producer Nick. Oh, <sighs> I, I, I love it too. I actually genuinely love doing that with you and, and work with producer Nick. Uh, that means a lot. Thank you. That, that meant a lot. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Honestly, like working with Darren Drager and Pierre Lebron at TSN, like I, I have fun every day. Like this is, this is not real work. This is not a real job. Yeah. I feel kind of bad that we have to kind of cut this like moment of, of happiness and sappiness to discuss the story of the week of the NHL which has not brought a lot of happiness uh, with regards to, you know, basically a lot of people with how the situation has gone down. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, a couple nights ago, they had a Pride Night and uh, their players wore Pride Night jerseys in warm-up. One of them, uh, one of their players who did not wear such a jersey uh, was Ivan Provorov, who did not partake in warm-up, but, but played in the game afterward. Uh, and... Uh, People were wondering, like, okay, what's the deal? Why wasn't he in warm-up? Why did he play the game? Uh, the Flyers had put out a statement when uh, when uh, speculation started to run that uh, he just did not wear the jersey because of his beliefs. Uh, he didn't. Provorov then told the media, I respect everybody, and I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. Uh, John Tortorella also never considered benching Provorov and praised him for staying true to himself there there's a lot of details uh to go through with the story cj a lot of what do you make of it there's a lot of nuance and and honestly i think nuance we don't get a lot of nuance like we don't get a lot of nuanced views or takes or thoughts in today's society quite honestly like that just on any story here's two problems i don't exactly know what ivan provorov's beliefs are right so it, it it you know, there's a lot that we can read into it, but I don't, I don't exactly know what his position is here. To me, it's, it's what the flyers did that, that raises my eyebrows the most, because, you know, it seems as though he had some issue with wearing the Jersey, obviously that chose not to go out for warm up because he didn't want to wear it. But, you know, I feel like they had room then to, you know, sit him from the game, 
whatever. I think that would have made the situation much, much better. Um, but I mean, just the whole thing is, is difficult for me because I, man, like I, I, it's hard It to me. It's, it's a clear violation of the team though. It's what the team spirit is like. It just like, why even have the pride night? If you're not, it just, it, the flyers were in a difficult spot. It's clear, but it, it seems to me from what I've been able to tell, they knew about this. Like this didn't just happen that night. It wasn't like they're going out for warm up and, you know, he removed himself from warm up. I think that there was a lot of discussion that went on and, you know, I, I don't know how they arrived at that conclusion. I mean, to me, the easiest thing in the world would have been to, to sit him out for the game. Yeah. I, I, I've been thinking about that too. Like why, like, like playing him, I mean, okay. I, I, no, I, I don't know why he would go to that point. Like it just doesn't, make sense to me from a standpoint of just respecting, I guess what the flyers are trying to do also from a media storm standpoint, like why would you lean into a situation that people are going to talk about like that? Like what I, what I wrote, like why would the fly with the flyers let him play after admit The first thing I thought of was like, they just made this into a much bigger story than it, than it should have not to mention the fact that, you know, we talk all the time about how the league should be more and more inclusive uh, and and there are steps that need to be done in order to get to that point. And just it sometimes it feels I think for a lot of people, just when you think like the NHL is making like a step forward, this sort of feels like something that takes them two steps back from where they should be or even more steps back, depending on on how you feel. I'm sure there are a yeah. ton of people Here's that the from the LGBTQ though, community every other who are player. Not- Every other yeah. player did it though. That that and that's another thing too. Like it, what makes Ivan this, this yeah, is the what only makes guy that so special in the league that wouldn't do this? Like that would take this stance. Why would th- why does that make him so special for him to do that? Because you can't tell me that every single player in the National Hockey League is I don't know what the right word is, but I'm I it wouldn't surprise me if well, what there do was we have eight hundred players, nine hundred players yeah. even nowadays. Like obviously, there's a range of views on every single issue, every political Absolutely. spectrum. You know, there's there's all kinds of like different lifestyle acceptances within that. Like any 900 grouping of people in in any town, in any city, in any job or or big company. I mean, there's going to be a range of views. It's in, in individuals. I mean, that that that's kind of what bugs me. Those like I, I feel bad for the people that naturally, obviously, the, the community feels as though like this is a step back, but. You know, I, I just hope it is. And I don't think, I think that we're getting to a more inclusive place. I mean, look how many great people are, are, are openly gay in our sport now. Um, you know, like Bain Pettinger, an agent at CAA who, who I know personally, uh, you know, Brock McGillis, such a, a great advocate in our sport uh, who I've interacted with online, never actually met. I mean, there's so many people, Luke Prokop, uh, who came out uh, while he played in the Western Hockey League and started his professional career. I mean, there's so many strong voices in the, in the sport. Like I, I feel like we've gotten to a, a better, more tolerant place, but I guess it's just an issue like this reminds us there's still play, a ways to go. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's how I take it. I think the fact that there is progress is important to note, but you know, we don't need to pat ourselves on the back and be like, well, Hey, look, it's already more tolerant. Like, no, let's continue and make those strides and, and to, and make it better for, for the sport and also just for, for society. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I just this is just my view, and maybe people are gonna get mad in the comments. 
I don't see what the big deal is about wearing a sweater with your number in rainbow colors. I don't see what the big deal is where you have to get to a point where you feel your 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 religious beliefs are being that disrespected. I that's just me. I I consider myself spiritual. Uh so I don't know, maybe just my unique viewpoint on it, but like it's just at the end of the day, you're wearing a sweater for like 20 minutes with your name and your number in rainbow colors on it, and then you go on with your life. And it should stand for more than that. And I understand that people take that as as a sign of of support for the community. But I I just think like considering the wide range of views in the National Hockey League, what makes Ivan Provorov so special that he could he could say, hey, I'm not going to do this. I I wonder about that, and I don't know if that's the well, biggest takeaway to take I from that. Have, but I'm I'm curious. I have, he's got a right. Like I don't like his position. But he's got a right to say that. I but I think then the Flyers have a right to do something about it that they didn't do. Like that's this is where I ultimately fall on it. Like you can't make people associate with anything if they don't want to. Like I get it. There's there's like I don't again, I don't get his view, but I understand that he might have an opinion that I don't agree with. And and that's but then the Flyers had an ability to, I think, make a stronger statement than they did. And honestly, we probably weren't barely talking about it two days later if that's what happened. Because I think it would have been very clear why they did it. And then, you know, that's sort of the discipline. I mean, it, I, I've heard some people say, like, there'd be legal issues and stuff. I, I don't buy that. I mean, if a player gets sat in a, okay. No, because if a player gets sat in a game, he still gets paid. Like, it's not like they're suspending that's him. They're, they're punishing him. But, I mean, players get punished all the time, right? Like, Matthew Joseph didn't get to play in a game against his brother last night by the Ottawa Senators. Uh, you know, kind of a, a public benching. Um, you know, that's that's a, a, a form of punishment the team is allowed to put put on players. Like ice time is 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 how you know, it's one of the the goodies that gets handed out or taken away by a coach. I mean, that's that's anyway, it's perfectly acceptable and it's part of the sport. So I, I don't think there would have been legal issues myself. I, I just I don't know why they, they they went so far. They have the Pride Night. They have James Van Riemsdyk and Scott Lawton. You know, two of their players launching an initiative to, to support LGBTQ plus communities. And then they allow that to happen. I mean, just. Yeah. It just doesn't add up. It just doesn't make sense. And I'm, I'm also curious, like what, like those, those two players in particular think about that. Like, I, I, I wonder about that. It's just, I don't know. Like I get it. People are gonna be like, Hey, you know, you have your right to think what you want to think. Uh, that doesn't mean that everyone is going to agree and in certain cases, and you can debate all you want about how it applies here, it does not mean freedom of consequences for thinking the way that you want to think. Right. But you and I can hold our set of views and our employers can choose to to do things based on those sets of views or how we express them, right? Yeah. I could go I could go on Twitter with you know a decent follower count and start expressing all sorts of opinions on politics or this or that. And I'm allowed to hold those views, but my employer is allowed to say, do you know what? we don't really want you working here doing that. Like that, that's, you know, we're, we're opening a can of worms, but that's how it usually goes down. Right. People have been disciplined in public jobs or, or public facing individuals by people they work for, for holding, you know, for expressing their views. And so you're allowed to hold views, but there's also consequences for that. There just weren't consequences applied here. That's, that's, that's what I feel was missing primarily. Well, the, and, and, that's another that's the next thing i want to ask i mean what consequences do you apply for one 
or well, you sit two, him like, at least for that game. Like that's okay. No brainer. Yeah. And that yeah, probably, I, I'd be fine that probably that. would be enough, honestly. Yeah. And like, we wouldn't, and we wouldn't even be talking about it because it would just like, considering the talk around Ivan Provorov now, people would have just, just dismissed it. as like, Oh, trade talks or something. I don't know. Yeah. Or something I, else. They could have said something else. Um, yeah. It's just a bit of a disappointing story. Uh, it's, it's not, uh, I, I just feel bad for, for a lot of people who, uh, have taken this pretty tough, uh, thinking of, of everyone on that side and yeah, just, just a bit ridiculous here. I don't know. I, I get, we don't do the cross check thing with the stick taps, but I'd, I'd give the flyers a cross check here for this one. It's a bit disappointing. You could have anyway, saved that for the end of the show. I absolutely could have saved it for the end of the show. That's fine. Um, Okay, unless, unless there's anything else we don't want to add, I would you just want to briefly mention the Montreal Canadiens and the fact that uh, Uri Slavkovsky, uh done for the rest of the season with a lower body injury. They say three months. There's three months left in the regular season. I don't see him playing the final few games of the year. Well, um, maybe. I mean, I guess, but like, like they didn't actually they announced why? three months. They didn't. Well, because that's a nice carrot at the end of the season. If I mean, if if he has to go through all that rehab and he can get healthy, I mean. I think that it would be nice to play a couple games. It's a long time till the next game if he doesn't get back in April. So that's fair. Yeah. So, but yes, he presumably is done for the rest of the regular season with the caveat that maybe it goes a little quicker and he plays a game or two or something. But um, yeah, that's that's a, a tough setback for him. I think the debate about Slavkowski was, and what's good about this debate, I think, or what's interesting about it is who can say with any certainty um, what where this is going to go. Only time will will ultimately tell the decision the Canadians made, but you know, he didn't spend time in the American hockey league with Laval this year. Um, you know, he could, he could have been sent even to junior. He could have been sent to a, a pro league in, in Europe uh, instead spent most of the season with the Canadians. I think he was a healthy scratch for a couple games, missed a couple earlier in the year with injury. And he finished with what? 10 points or so. So uh, four goals, 10 points in 39 games. And so was that the right decision? And, and, I'm actually inclined, while this is obviously not the kind of rookie season you hope to see from a number one overall pick, I'm inclined to, I buy a little bit of what the Canadians are selling here. Like they, they saw value in him spending every day around Marty San Luis, their head coach, who obviously has tons of NHL experience, has a, a good initial track record here as a head coach and getting a lot out of younger players. Um, you know, they have a development uh, coach on their staff by the name of Adam Nicholas, who, who does individual work with players. And I know that he was able to spend a lot of time working with Slavkovsky. And so while the results aren't great individually for him on this season, I, I still, I'm not inclined to hammer them for, for not sending him somewhere else. And, you know, but we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, we have to remember there's not one development path, right? Like some players, you, you get Connor McDavid's who just get dropped in the league and, and, they're dominating the way they were in junior. Um, you've had Joe Thornton back in the day, number one overall pick who had like 10 points in his first season in Boston and then became, you know, an all-time leading scorer in the league and won a heart trophy and all those things. Um, you have Nathan McKinnon even, right? He, he was a number one overall pick who really didn't pop until year four or five of his career. And now is, I think would be on everyone's shortlist among the best forwards in the league. So, you know, I, I think that it's important to remember, you know, I don't know what the ceiling will be for Slavkovsky, but he he's, He's built physically like a man, like he's very strong and, and he's a big guy. And I think that that made it easier too. you know, like it's, it's a little different sometimes when you're throwing an undersized player 
into that environment. Um, it's, it's unfortunate he's been injured here, but I, I still, I'm willing to, I'm willing to give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt and think that this, this isn't necessarily the disaster it might look like if you just judge it by points. Okay. Uh, very quickly here, just because we're running a bit on time for ourselves. Uh, anything on Cole Caulfield and the possibility of an extension? Well, he and his agents at CAA have been talking to the Canes on and off for the last month or so about, you know, what that next contract might look like. You know, I still don't know that there's necessarily urgency that this doesn't have to get done during the season. Um, it's not as though this player is going anywhere. You know, he's going to be a Canadian next year. I can say with absolute certainty, uh, it's just about finding what the contract looks like. You know, I think that they maybe got a little bit of a help with their negotiations with the deal that Matt Boldy signed uh, earlier this week with the Minnesota wild. That was seven year deal at 7 million uh, per season because you know, it's actually, there's three players all tied together in my mind. You've got Caulfield, Matt Boldy, and Trevor Zegras, who plays in Anaheim. They're all former teammates at the U.S. National Development Program, all first-round picks in the same draft. And if you look at their numbers, they're at least slightly comparable, I think, in terms of establishing a baseline. And so, you know, I would say that the Boldy deal is at the low end of what Caulfield will be signing for. Um, if, if he does end up with a long-term extension in Montreal, I don't think they're getting them at 7 million, but, but it gives us an idea of where the floor might be for those kind of talks. Um, and just because he, he scores seemingly every game, uh, but he scored, he scored at a better rate than, than Boldy has in his career. And so I think he'll be able to, to push the number higher, but you know, they're still working on it. Don't know. Can't give you a, a exact play by play about when it's going to be finished. But I, I do think that, you know, if it ends up long-term, you know, look at something North of, of what we just saw from Matt Boldy and, Ultimately, I think similar similar kind of idea for Zegris when he and the Ducks uh, get their next deal done, too. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet at Sports Interaction. When the puck drops, Sports Interaction has you covered pregame, live betting on all major sports, and prop bets. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. 19 and over. Please play responsibly. Okay, and we've now reached the stick taps portion of the show. I kind of already mentioned my... Uh, cross-check to the Philadelphia Flyers and the handling of their situation with Ivan Provorov. Uh, CJ, your stick tap. So does that stand as yours? You're not going to give out another, you're not going to give out love. You're just, you're just bringing the hate today, Julian, or what? You know what, man? Sometimes, sometimes you got to let somebody know. You got to let people know they, they deserve enough uh, some negative energy. Not to say I'm always bringing negative energy. That's just the type of time I'm on today. That's just what I'm on today. Well, I'm going to give my stick tap to a random listener who stopped me on the street this week and told me as of that day that he had a 17 day run streak that he loves that he loves the pod and that he has been inspired to get out and get moving um, because I have my own run streak going. And so Mr. Gentleman, wherever you are, whoever you are, I wish that you keep going. I love that little, those little interactions on the street and, uh, you know, for anyone else that might be listening and thinking about doing something similar, just remember forward is a pace. You just got to keep moving forward, do something good for yourself every day, whatever it is, doesn't have to be working out. But um, yeah, that was, it was just a nice interaction. And uh, I want that listener to know I'm thinking of them and tapping my stick. Cause even 17 days in a row is that's a lot of days to, to get, stay motivated and keep at it. Absolutely. Uh, we move forward now. Uh, to the end of the show, but also Monday, we'll be back with a brand new episode. Get your questions in for Ask CJ right now, whether on Twitter or on Discord, and subscribe to the podcast, however you listen to the podcast. For CJ, I'm Julian, saying so long, enjoy your weekend, and peace. 
Peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.